0: All right, what's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundthetrumpetministries.com, and today we are going to do a teaching called Killing Them Softly. We are going to do a teaching called Killing Them Softly. Now, you know, I just want to say ahead of time, this is not an old Fuji song, okay, or you know, Roberta Fleck. Okay. This is about what's really going on in the world, things that we need to be made aware of. And it's some kind of psychology for you to kill someone softly. I mean, you know, even if you were to just look at that whole concept, when most people think of killing or they think of murder, they really do think of it being like, man, malicious and, you know, violent and, you know, blows to the head or, you know, this died with a knife or a gun or whatever the situation is. But you see, soft killing is probably the most deceptive killing of all because it has a way of getting people to relish in their own destruction. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. You know that we like to warn on this channel, his sister, Tatiana and uh, sister Melissa will light my way. But you know, The whole thing here is guys, we need to be made aware of who we are. We need to look at more tactics that the devil is doing and we need to look at more solutions because I think when most people see the devil, they see him as more of a fire breathing dragon, but they don't really see him as the serpent. Hey, brother Randy and brother Sal. That's just something that we gotta pay attention to. Sister Sarah is here with me tonight. We're going to see a couple of videos, of course, and we are going to um, really discuss this about killing them softly and the psychology of the enemy and all these things that go on. You know, because it's not that I mean to talk about a person. I know all day you guys were probably hearing it at work, what happened to Kobe Bryant. You know, I'm sure that that was the main topic and it's probably going to be for, you know, maybe about three or four weeks. But One thing we got to look at here concerning this whole thing is what happened to Kobe Bryant is what the devil is doing to us all. You see, because Kobe Bryant himself did not know that he was going to die that night. He had no idea that his plane was going to crash or his helicopter and that would happen. And that's just a warning as Christians that you and I need to see and to know that each day is not promised to us. Hey, Sister Tara. So we must get to the place, man, of being sober. We must be vigilant. We must have an understanding of where we are. We must recognize as Christians that we are on the battlefield at all times. Hey, Sister Naima. We must know that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Because I'm gonna tell you something about this harlot that you read in Revelation 17. I'm gonna tell you something about Lucifer, the way he looked before he fell from heaven. I'm gonna tell you something about the devil and his many devices and his tricks. And it's unfortunate that the very things that he uses on people, especially the people of God, are things that they like. The devil, we must understand this one thing. Hey, brother Mark, one thing we must understand is that the devil, okay, can never, entice you with things that you won't like. So just, we gotta look at things in our lives. We gotta see the things that we're attached to, the things that we love and how we are gonna talk about tonight. And we're going to explain in detail and give countless examples of how the devil kills softly. As I said, this is not an old Fuji song. Okay, this is not Roberta Flack song. This is the reality of what is going on in the Christian's life, and the life of the unbeliever. The devil rarely, okay, guys, comes and just kills. That's why Jesus Christ says that the the thief comes, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Most of us may pay attention to killing and destroying, but what about stealing? What about the things that should be yours and should be mine? What about salvation? What about the fullness of Christ? And look at what the devil brings to us daily to try and take these things away from us. You see, he's a thief. Hey, Sister Tanisha, he is also a destroyer. He has a way of, by the time he gets done with you, you'll have a feeling of worthlessness. You will lose sight of the goal in seeking after righteousness and faith and holiness. You will begin to incorporate things with God's word because you have now been seduced into believing something that that is not true. And this is why we must cling to the tree of life. We must stay with the Lord. Whatever he commands us to do, we better learn how to do it. We better grow in his grace and follow him in faith because Jesus Christ is everything that we have. Times are gonna get so dark ahead of us, guys. We are not gonna be able to know right from wrong, up from down, left from right, male from female, if we let the devil have its way. The only normalcy that you and I are going to have in the future, the only thing that is going to matter the only light or inspiration that we are going to see if we want it is going to be Jesus Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Because a lot of people look at the mind of Christ, you know, they, they look at the full armor and you'll see people do things like, you know, well, yeah, I want the helmet of salvation so that I know that I'm saved. How about that helmet protecting your mind? from all the thoughts, all the lies, all the deception that the enemy can bring at you. You see, this thing is about war. This thing is about sobering up. This thing is about wielding your weapons and wearing that armor for a purpose. I mean, think about the the breastplate of righteousness. You and I go through this every day. Every day we might know what is right, but there is a struggle at times to do that very thing. Why? Because if we stand up for righteousness, it can cost us. So as you can see, that breastplate is a very important thing. It's a very serious thing to hang on to because you and I must be righteous no matter what bad comes our way. When you look at the shield of faith, the fiery darts of the wicked one. Don't you realize that there are things that are trying to take away your faith? Don't you know that we have an accuser of the brethren? We've got a real adversary that goes before God day and night to try and tell uh, God what we're doing. He paints lies into your mind to try and make you feel unworthy. Who is God to use you after all of your filth? Those are the fiery darts of the wicked one. And we must have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We must learn to walk with the Lord, stand on his word and believe it. Because you see, if we don't believe the word of God, then it doesn't become alive to us. We won't obey it. We won't search after those things in our lives. We will go after alternative sources of inspiration, which is what allows the devil to kill us softly. So you know, I don't wanna talk anymore because we got a video with G. Craig Lewis. I want to play. There's some other examples of how, you know, the devil intends to kill us softly. Okay. And how many of us have been killed softly. We're going to look at all this. This is going to be a very sobering message, but it's going to be one that I do on most Monday nights to have the saints aware of the enemy's attacks so that we may act according with what God wants. If it means to kill a dream that has nothing to do with God's will in your life, then you best believe I'm going to do it not because of the fact that I want to see people sad, but I want people to wake up to the reality of the only purpose of why you are here is to be full of Christ and to do his will. I know that's not popular because a lot of people love the soft, smooth talking words of a false prophet, but I'm here to bring people back to the Bible, to the word of God, hey, brother Joseph, to sober up, and get ready for the ride, because it's gonna come in very rough. There's gonna be some things ahead of us, but if we are equipped and we put our faith in Christ, he's going to take us through every situation. So let's pray, guys, and then from there, we will get right into this lesson as we talk about killing them softly. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your life. We thank you, Lord, for not treating us as our sins deserve. And we just pray, Lord, tonight that you speak. We pray that no man's flesh be glorified, that no man's heart be heard in this teaching. But we pray by the Holy Ghost, by the great comforter, by he that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness. We pray, Lord God, tonight that you speak. We pray that you sober your people up. We pray, Lord, in Jesus name, that these things will be edifying, Lord, that your people may desire to serve you and to go out and do your will. So we just pray that you open the minds tonight, Lord, that you open the hearts that you take those distracting things away from the midst of us, Lord, that we may hear you loud and clear, and that we may believe unto our own edifying, that we may become champions for the cause of Christ. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, We pray, Lord, tonight that you release your warring angels, that they may keep all distractions, all things that the enemy may try and do to come against this teaching. And if any, Lord, wickedness comes in the midst of us, if there are any attacks in this moment, Lord, we pray that you send them back to the sender a thousandfold, that they may repent, that they may get right with you, that all those that might be listening to this message to condemn it, that you will open their hearts and plant seeds, that they may become full of you. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray, Lord God, tonight that all these things be done for your glory and honor, that you may get the victory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, all right guys, let's get right into this lesson. Do you guys know that the very first murder had nothing to do with weapons, had nothing to do with any blood, anything physical taking place? So let us look at the very first murder that we may have an understanding of what it is to kill softly. Okay, so let's go to Genesis chapter three. tell you, I think every message in the Bible, every message, that people want to preach concerning the gospel can go right back to Genesis 3. That's how rich that one chapter is. And we still haven't broken down everything that God wants us to know in it. But you know, God's word is very much like himself. He's timeless, it's eternal, and it has no end. So let's look at Genesis chapter three, guys, and let's look at verse one, Genesis 3 and one. If anybody don't know how to get to Genesis 3 and 1, man, you gotta start reading your Bible. Genesis 3, look at verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So when you look at the word subtle here, guys, this is H6175. And that word means subtle, of course, shrewd, crafty, sly, insensible okay? And then it says or prudent, which is kind of like discerning. So when you look at this situation, he's subtle, he's crafty, and he's sly. So he has a way of appearing to be something that he's not, but he's also sensible. This is what makes the devil dangerous because of the fact that he can sensibly talk you into turning against God. and if you're not spiritually minded, you will make he will make more sense to you then God will. Okay. So when you look at the fact that he was subtle, okay, than any beast of the field, it says, which the Lord God had made. And it says, and he said unto the woman, yea, have God said that ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You know, I believe that the devil full well knew, okay, what God had told Adam and Eve. But I believe he asked this question to get them into a place of, you know, um, you know, just just being able to dialogue with you. You see, it's just like a no good guy that would see a woman on the bus stop or at the mall, and he's gonna walk up to her and he's gonna ask her what time it is, knowing full well he doesn't even care about the time. He's gonna try and find a way where he can work his way in, break the ice engage in dialogue so he can give her his game. Because a guy will never just walk up to a woman, at least not any guy with any sense. You're not gonna just walk up to a woman and all of a sudden, you know, hey baby, blah, 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 blah. Now you got some guys that do that, but those are guys with immature play. But when you wanna get to the guys who are real players, which I am by no means glorifying, I'm just telling you about the nature of the devil, he's going to come to you in such a way where it may even look like that's not what he's after, but the whole plan is to get into your pants. So he may talk to you about the cosmos. He may talk to you about education. He may even tell you what he's majoring in. He might even tell you Christian women that he is a man of God. He may not even appear to long for something that is forbidden of God, but in the end, his whole plan is to get into your pants by any means necessary. I'm not trying to be vulgar tonight. I'm just giving you guys an idea of how the devil worked his way in to get to the woman. Okay, so the first thing that the devil ever said to mankind was a question. And the question was against the word of God. So verse two says, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said that ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. The serpent said unto the woman, ye shall not surely die. So you see, if they were really clinging to the Lord, the very fact that the serpent himself disagreed with God, pretty much called God a liar, that they should have been able to just blow him off. But you see, he did it in, very, uh, in a very subtle way by not just denying God, but giving them something else to entice them, to bring them in. So he didn't just deny God outright. He denied God with a touching of their feelings to get them worried about self. He made them self-conscious to take their minds away from the truth, which is Jesus Christ, which I believe in the garden was the tree of life. So anyway, he says, he said to the woman, ye shall not surely die. Now notice that was the denial, but here's the reinforcement in verse five. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as God's knowing good and evil. So he didn't just call God a liar. He called God a liar with the intent to seduce and say, you know what? God's trying to hold you guys back from what you really want and what you really desire. The same way unsaved people treat the word of God. When you talk to an unsaved person about forsaking the world, getting to know Jesus, forsaking their sin. To them, it sounds like the end of the world. To them, it sounds like you're trying to intrude on all their fun and you're trying to hold them captive when really what you're trying to do is set them free. So, you know, he told the woman, You be as gods, you won't die. That was the first lie. And then he says, Your eyes will be open and you will know good and evil. And it says and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. So not only did he try and entice her with the fruit, but he turned her attention unto something that was not like God. So it says that the woman saw that the tree was good for food. That was the lust of the flesh. He, you know, tickled her appetite. He got her longing for something that she may want the same way that the television does us today. How many times have you ever said, man, I'm just going to go on a fast, I'm just going to relax, and you'll have a bus drive right by you with a brand new thing that they're having at Applebee's or some other place? How many times have you said, well, I'll watch a little TV. I'm going to eat very light today. And all you see on the TV is marketing for things that appeal to your flesh. You notice there's no good preachers on TV anymore. The devil only used the TV to bring people in. And you had some Christians that will not touch a TV back in the day. So what happened? The devil allowed, I'm not going to say he controlled, but he allowed guys like R.W. Schombach and all these other guys, Burt Clinton and others to be on TV because he knew if he can get you stuck to the TV, that even though you might be hearing God on it, that you will become so focused on that television set that when R.W. Schombach and these guys get canceled from the program, you now have got to look for something in the flesh to entertain you. This is how the devil goes. So he turned the woman unto the tree and she saw that it was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. That's the lust of the eyes. And a tree to be desired to make one wise. So I believe that the final nail in the coffin was that they desire to be wise themselves outside of God. If I part partake of this fruit, I can be my own God. I don't have to wait for him to come in the garden. I don't have to pay attention to him. I really believe that they believed that they would be equal to God. And that was the thing that sold them. Not only can I just obey the creator, I don't have to, I can become a creator myself. And the devil kind of lied to them, but he also told them the truth. That's the other thing about the devil and how he kills us softly. He mixes in lies with the truth. The truth is they would be their own gods, but they didn't know he was talking about a lowercase g. They thought that he was talking about the big G, that they could be just like him. Hey, Brother Court. So it says, a tree to be desired to make one was, she took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So because they have partaken of another fruit, they are of another nature. They are no longer compatible with God. The devil didn't tell them, quick, the Lord is coming, hide. The devil knew that this would happen all by itself. All the devil has got to do is get you outside of God, and he can do whatever he wants to do with you. So it says, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, where art thou? So you see, it went all the way back to the serpent. But as you can see, the devil had a master stroke. He didn't have to pull out an ax and chop somebody's head off. He didn't have to get them to, you know, jump off of a cliff. All he managed to do was alienate them um, through his soft spoken words from God, and they took the bait. They had no consciousness of what good and evil really was, except for what God says. So when you look at the word beguiled, that's H5377, it says to deceive, or, you know, and it says to seduce, deceive, you know, uh, deceive greatly, or morally, or to delude. So you see, when you delude something, you take some of the value out of it. And it's just like, guys, if I have pure water here, which I'm sure I don't because this comes from the devil. But let's just say I've got pure water here and someone took, let's just say a little bit of uh, what you would call, um, what's that word, fluoride. And they put like 1% in this water. You see, even though it may look like pure water, it's not pure water. It has been diluted, it's diluted. It's not in its full strength of what it was. All the devil is seeking to do with them and what he wants to do with you and I is to dilute our beliefs. It is to make you a little bit impure because he knows from there he's got an inroad into your life. And like I said, this was a very soft assassination. He destroyed them with flatteries and lies. So when you look at this here, it says, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou has done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and thus shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. He says unto the woman, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception in sorrow, Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee and thou shalt uh, eat the herb of the field. And in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till uh, till thou return unto the ground, for out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return." So we must look at this, guys, and have an understanding. We tend to look at this story like, yeah, you know, it was the fruit they ate the fruit and because of that man fell. You know, it could be sort of cartoonish unless you really look at this thing in its full sense. The devil killed them. He alienated them from God. They went from a place of majesty inheriting what God gave them unto a place of pretty much being slaves to the devil. Of pretty much being, you know, I mean, man, supposed to live forever? And now you lose that because you alienated your life from God? Man, just Adam and Eve knowing, guys, think about this. They had no understanding of death. He told them that they would die, but they were meant to live forever. They had their lives planned out, they were going to fulfill God's will. But now, after the devil tricked them, after they found out they were lied to, and after they found out that this thing is irreversible. They've now got to live in condemnation and shame, and they know that one day they are going to go to a grave which God never intended for them to have, where the garden would produce for them. They now have got to work for a living. Thorns and thistles, there would be lots of fights. There would be a problem with man and his flesh. There would be sin. There would be sickness. There would be disease. Man, this is a tragic situation, but In many cases, we read it today like, you know, well, you know, that sort of happened, but you know. No, he destroyed them. He killed them softly. He got them to be partakers of their own destruction. And you know something? He hasn't given that up. He's still doing that today. In order for the devil to get anyone to obey him, he first has to lie to them. He gives them mixed up truth. But he also seduces them into what he wants. He wouldn't be a very good devil if he wasn't a seducer. So we've got to pay attention to what's in our hearts. We've got to look at the things that we still like and we've got to ask ourselves, are these things of God or are they of the devil? Because if not, we might be, you know, contributing to our own destruction and we may be at that place of allowing ourselves to be killed softly. So let's get right into this message. Let's go to Deuteronomy 13. No matter of fact, before we go there, let's go to Judges 16. Judges chapter 16, and we're gonna look at verse one. Thank you, Lord. Judges 16, and let's begin at verse one. I hope my brothers and sisters are well. If you guys have any prayer requests tonight, Sister Sarah will take them so we know what to pray for, okay? Because sometimes, man, my mouth, you guys know, runs a mile a minute. So I'm not exactly looking at the screen. I may be looking in that direction, but my mind is in a whole nother place. So let's look at Deuteronomy. I mean, I'm Deuteronomy. Judges chapter 16, and let's look at verse one. Judges 16 and one, and it says, then went Samson to Gaza and saw there in Harlot, and went in unto her. Now, Samson, as we know, guys, is a type of church. We don't have time to break that down tonight, but we've done teachings on Samson in the past. Pastor Price has great messages on Samson and how he's like the church, and R.W. Schombach even has some good teachings on that. But okay, so Samson's a type of church, and the first thing he did was he went down to an harlot and he went in unto her. And it was told to the Gazites, saying, Samson is come hither. And they compassed him and in laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight. Notice that Samson caught them unawares. This is a type of in time thing, okay, that we must recognize as Christians. They were waiting for Samson in the morning to kill him. Samson rises at midnight, okay? And arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them upon his shoulders and carried them up to the top of in hell that is before Hebron. So can you imagine the enemy is sitting there waiting to kill Samson, and he rises up early, grabbed the two gates of the city and the post, and he's walking away with these things. I think he gave them something different to think about, like, on second thought, why don't we try and get him another time? I mean, this guy ripped the gates off the city and walked away. Look at verse four, and it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the Valley of Sore whose name was Delilah. So what we must look at here guys is one, Samson messed around with a harlot earlier and got away with it. And I believe that the church was involved in harlotry at some point, and for a while under God's grace was getting away with it. But now you see the church as it is today, enticed, not knowing which end is up, and, and you know, has trouble. With sound doctrine concerning the Lord's will. Guys, if you look at the name Delilah, Delilah means feeble. So, feeble means, you know, kind of like weak, you know, not very strong, doesn't even look very tough. Okay, but look at verse five. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said unto her, look at the first word they told, they asked her to do, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee, every one of us, 1,100 pieces of silver. So the first thing they wanted the harlot to do, which is what any harlot that is paid to do was going to do, is to entice him. But what did they want it for? To see where his great strength lieth. I believe that this was the very attack that the devil did to the church. But at one point he couldn't get in the church. So then he started introducing things like, you know, volleyball courts, uh, prosperity gospel, you know, name it and claim it, you know, all these other things that had nothing to do with God. He slowly worked his way into the church. So, and Delilah said to Samson, so she didn't even question it, you know what? She was a woman of the world. Her allegiance was to the world, just like the harlot. And she said unto Samson, tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said unto her, if they bind me with seven green widths uh, that were never dried, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven green widths, uh, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and he brake the whiffs as a thread and, and of, of toe is broken when it touches the fire. So his strength was not known. So notice Samson is fooling around just like Eve. She allowed the dialect of the serpent. Well, she engaged the serpent in dialect and slowly but surely her walls began to come down. This is the very way the devil deals with us in the world. But anyway, so uh, look at verse 10. Then Delilah said unto Samson, behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound? And he said unto her, if they bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and there were liars in ways abiding in the chamber, and he break, from, he break them from off his arms like a thread. So one thing we got to look at too here, guys, and understand this, as we go through our daily life, there are liars in wait. Every situation that we go through is either going to be reinforced with the decisions we make by the Spirit of God, or it's going to be an invasion of demons. So you see, there are liars in wait there, waiting to see what's gonna happen. The devil lies and waits to see what he can entice us with, what we might go for, which is why Jesus Christ says, the ruler of this world comes and has nothing in me. Jesus had to deny his flesh, okay? He had to be a part of the Father's will, had nothing that the devil can have an inroad into so that he could be successful, but as you can see, Samson is playing with fire. He's playing with the harlot. He's sitting there telling lies, acting like she would never know. But Samson doesn't even recognize at this point that his walls are slowly going down. And I'm going to prove this. So it says, and Delilah said unto Samson, hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, if thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web. Notice that they're getting closer to the truth. First he started with green whips. then he started with new ropes. Then now he's even touching the very area where his secret lies. So he's talking about tying up his hair. So she's getting warmer and he doesn't even realize as he's fooling around with her, who is a type of world or a type of harlot that, that he's getting weak. So anyway, look at verse 14. And she fastened it with a pen and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pen of the beam and with the web. And she said unto him, how canst thou say, I love thee with thine heart is not, uh, uh, <laughs> how can I say that I love thee uh, with thy, uh, when thine heart is not with me, sorry. Thou has mocked me these three times and has told me wherein thy great strength life. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. So if you look at this, guys, she said, how can you tell me that your love is with me if your heart's not with me? You know, Delilah asked a very valid question. You know, even though she was up to no good, if you pay attention to her words, she's saying, how can you say you love me and your heart is not with me? So you see, Delilah knew in order for Samson to be in bed with her, that Samson would have to give her his heart. As Christians, as those in the world that we're following the Lord, we must understand what's being asked here because the question can even be asked of the Lord How can you say you love me and you don't do what I command you to do? So you see, Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So notice when Samson wouldn't give in, Delilah pressed him daily with her words, so much so that he was vexed unto death. How many of us know what it is to go on a nice long fast? Let's just say it's a weekend or we get some time off from work. And we begin to spend time with God when we're not in the world. We'll even stay home or do whatever. And what happens when you go back into that workplace? You know, day one, your soul may be vexed, but you can still kind of maintain. But after about two or three weeks of living worldly and hearing worldly talk and listening to worldly music and worldly television programs, what eventually happens to you? you begin to not feel it as much. So you see, she vexed his soul unto death. This is what the harlot of the world does to us. If the devil sees that you don't want one thing, his job is to entice you until he has found something that you might be willing to compromise. So look at this. So she vexed him unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, there have not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God. From my mother's womb, excuse me, if I be shaven, then my strength will go from me and I shall become weak and be like any other man. This is the devil's sole desire to vex us to a place where if he can take away our anointing, if he can alienate us from the life of God and God's headship, that we will be just like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines saying, come up this once, for he hath shewed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand and she made him sleep. So as you can see guys, she didn't just, you know, tell them to come and get him. She sent him to sleep. She killed him softly. She probably ran her fingers through her hair. She probably let him smell her perfume. She probably said, oh, Samson, Samson, I love you for telling me all your heart. But you see, when he fell asleep upon her knees and she called for a man and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at any other time before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. Here's another tragic story of a man that didn't even realize throughout the day that he was being afflicted of this harlot that he was being killed softly because his strength was still with him. But he didn't know that this last encounter, once he had fully given his heart over to the harlot, that his anointing would be clipped. And he just thought he was gonna get up and shake himself. He thought that he could read his Bible at any time. He thought that he could pray for an anointing at any time. He thought because he was filled with the spirit at one time that he can be filled with the spirit again and again whenever he got ready. But he didn't know that his disobedience before the Lord is what alienated him from God. There was Ichabod written on his forehead because the glory of the Lord departed from him. This wasn't done in a fashion where you could say You know, they jumped Samson and beat him down and clipped his hair. No, he had a beautiful harlot because the devil doesn't use anything ugly to run his fingers through her, you know, her fingers through his hair. And, you know, I love you, Samson. And before you knew it, Samson lost his anointing with the Lord. It says, look at verse 21, but the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza, and bound him with fetters and brass, which is a type of flesh and sin, and he did grind in the prison house. This is very much what we're doing today, guys. Our eyes are put out so we can't tell right from wrong. We are covered in the flesh with brass and with fetters bound by sin, because we refuse to give everything over to the Lord that he may sanctify us and set us free. You know why? because our heart is, are hooked, our hearts are hooked to these things, which make them impossible for them to abandon us or for us to throw them out. We need circumcision in the heart. We need a fresh perspective. We need our eyes open that we may see what the Lord calls for us, that we may not walk around in these drunken trances, believing that we've got time to fool around. Because if not, guys, the devil kills you softly. One minute, you might have said, I want to get full of the spirit of God. I want to preach his word. You know, we all walk into this thing on fire for Jesus. But what happens to us over time? What causes us to not keep the same fire that we once had? Where we once used to fast and pray through for a breakthrough, we now have become comfortable. What's going on? We're being killed. Softly. And this is how the devil does it in the world. He takes people like Kobe Bryant. He takes people like Jay Z and Beyonce. He takes people like all these executives that you may see, all these successful people in the world, and he uses them as wine to make you drunk, to get you to the place of desiring and longing and going after these things. But you don't even realize that he's alienating you from the life of God. And that's why the first and great commandment of the law is this, to love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And second is to love your neighbor as yourself. But what is the devil's plan? If I can get in there and turn your heart 45% to God, 50%, if I can turn it from 100 until 90, I have done my job, I'm killing you softly because I know if I can allow corruption to set up in you, it is only going to grow and and progress until I cut that off. So you see, this is how it took Samson to grind at the mill. God took care of his eye problem. He didn't have harlots to look at. He was bound by fetters and chains that he realized that he was a prisoner. And for the first time, even with blinded eyes, Samson could truly see who his enemies were. And what did he do from there? He prayed to the Lord, let me die with my enemies. Just give me one last chance to do what you want. And what does the Bible say? That Samson killed more in his death than he did in his life, because it takes a dying out to self and becoming alive to Jesus Christ, that our minds, our thoughts, our hearts, our feet may go where he calls us to, that we can get a job done. But what is the devil's job? To kill you softly. How does he do this? He keeps you alive. He entices you with the cares and the affairs of this life that you may not know what, what's even important and what's holding you up. What is it that's keeping you alive? you don't even know anymore because he's got you chasing the elusive carry. This is what he does. So I'm gonna play a quick video, okay, of um, G. Craig Lewis, all right, that has something really interesting to say, which I think is gonna be critical because the devil, he uses the radio, he uses TV, he uses all these things to destroy men. But we gotta get in that place with the Lord where we truly understand where we are and who our enemies are. Because if you're following the Lord, you know the devil can't kill you because you know that Christ is your source of life. So let me get this ready, guys. Okay. Good, but yeah, I gotta do this. Oh, uh, it's all good. That's why I wanted the thing on. Turn that a little bit, just to see, just a little. Now it's blurry. Turn it back. There you go. Okay. One second, guys. It's fine. We just got to go on because it's going to be more talking than anything. Okay. So let's get it. Okay. This is G. Craig Lewis. And it says, uh, this is called, The Devil Demands a Sacrifice. Okay, so you guys look at this. Of course, I got to get my big head out of the way. And then we will be good. Man, the devil's messing with our stuff again. Okay, there we go. All right, so I'm going to play this real quick. Here it is. I think it's connected, so let's try it. All right, so I think we're ready to go. Let's play this, and I'm going to get my head out of the way. Can you hit the light? Just gonna see. Let me turn this back. Sorry, guys. I showed
1: y'all this uh, the uh, old dirty.
0: Okay, it's not connected. Let me just uh, try this again, guys. Sorry. We'll get right back to it. Of course, the enemy's gonna try and fight us, but. Let me uh, get this real quick. Okay, here we go. Now we're good. Tell you the devil will never leave us alone. He wouldn't be the devil if he did. So, here we have it. So, you guys ready? All right, here we go. Take two.
1: Oh, this uh, the um, old dirty bastard, and like he died the next day, dropped dead. But what I didn't tell y'all was that he had come out with a name for himself called Big Baby Jesus he was he said that he was jesus and he died. See, that's how the devil does. See, the devil, and one thing you got to understand, the devil always demands a sacrifice. Just like God says, present your bodies unto him, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He offered himself up one for us all. So now we offer ourselves up to God as a living sacrifice. We live holy and acceptable unto him, which is what, reasonable service means what you're supposed to do anyway. You know we live, we live right for three days. We're like, Lord, I live right for three days. You, you ought to bless me, God. I'm like you're to do that. Amen. But the devil always demands a sacrifice, and if you know anything about the antichrist and the devil, he always does the opposite of what God does. He's anti, anti is opposite, antichrist. Amen. Are y'all with me? So he demands. A dead sacrifice. So anytime if you look at satanic rituals and satanic circles and all these kinds of things, you notice that they always have to offer up a dead sacrifice. A lot of these secret societies and all of these different things, they always have to offer up dead sacrifice because the devil always demands one. So I'm I'm telling you, these folks that do this music, whenever they begin to get glory or begin to be lifted up, they always have to be sacrificed. He always demands a sacrifice. Tupac Shakur, remember, height of his career. Biggie Smalls, who was coming out with a clothing line called 666. Yeah, but he always demands a sacrifice. They always have to be offered up. That's Aaliyah, and she got into some uh, things. Let's talk about this for a minute. So one thing you got to realize is, Whenever you are serving the enemy, whenever you are glorifying the enemy or bringing attention to the enemy, he always demands a sacrifice. Now, we talked about the yada, the tongue, and how you can speak things into existence and prophesy on yourself. Y'all can't read these words, but I'm going to read them to you. Biggie Small, this this is a song he put out right before... He died. He said, as I grab the Glock, put it to your headpiece, one in the chamber, the safety's off release, straight to your dome homes, I want to see cabbage, Biggie Smalls the Savage, doing your brain cells much damage. I'm ready to die, and nobody can save me. Blank the world, blank my moms and my girl, my life is played out like a jerry curl. I'm ready to die. Tupac, right before he died, came out with this song. I see death around the corner. The pressure's getting to me. I no longer trust my homies. Them phonies tried to do me. Smoking too much weed. Got me paranoid stressed. Pack a gat in my vest under my clothes when I dress. There's, Here's hoping I die the way I live, straight thugging. Hugging my trigger for all them niggas that was bugging. And even if I die young, who cares? All I got was mean mugs and cold stares. I can't Give up. Although I'm hopeless, I think my mind's gone. All I can do is get my grind on. Death is around the corner. See these brothers right before they died. That's how serious this thing is. And one thing, I know a lot of, you know, Christians like horror movies and they like to watch demons and junk on TV and horror movies, but they don't understand there is an element to the horror movies of America that nobody wants to talk about. And that is every time a movie that depicts horror in this nation celebrates it, every time a movie like that is made, somebody directly starring in it or directly related to a star in it has to die. That's right. Right. Research it. Every time. But we want to, you know, we want to be entertained watching demons and, and monsters and this kind of stuff. And we don't understand that somebody had to die because the enemy was glorified. There was a sacrificial ceremony involved. This is Aaliyah. Sad situation. Beautiful young girl. But they got her to play this part in this movie called Queen of the Dam. She played Akasha, who was supposed to be the head of all vampires. When she was working on this movie, she began to realize that she was just like Akasha. She says, I play Akasha, who is the queen and the first original vampire. She said, that's me. It's a good part. I've been working with my coach. I work with him all the time. And I've been working extra hard to prepare for this and get comfortable with what she's all about so I can do it the right way. Then she says, I'm a night person. So I guess you could say I kind of have the part in me anyway. I'm a bit of a vampire for real. I like the dark. I like the night. So I really don't have to get to the extreme of sleeping in coffins. Sad. Sad. And then a plane went down and they found her in you know shrubberies. I think it went down in a swamp. She was covered in brush and and you know snakes and whatever's in a swamp. And she had just shot prior to that a video where she was depicting herself in that same situation. But it's just music you know it's just music isn't it isn't it just music brother craig you know, that's what they want to say isn't it, isn't it i mean isn't it just music here are some of the coveted awards that our people want so bad for the music that we do this is you know the american music award which is a pyramid what is a pyramid a pyramid is a high-
0: Sorry about that, guys. But as you can see, hey, Coach P, but as you can see, this is the real world. But you see what people long and they lust after? You don't even realize what this world is trying to turn you into and trying to make you. The devil is a destroyer and he's going to entice as many people as he can. He's going to seduce as many people as he can because his whole goal is to destroy us by any means necessary. You've got to understand the position that the devil is in. The devil's a defeated foe, but he's not dead. He's still going around doing the things that he's doing. He's still looking for ways and inroads that he may not go to hell alone. So we must get to the place of sobering up and really going after what God wants, because I'm going to tell you something about what's evil. You guys ready for this? It's everyday life, everyday life, everything that you can possibly think of, if it's got nothing to do with Jesus Christ or how the Lord tells us to treat our families, or how to treat our neighbor, or how out to carry the gospel, I'm here to tell you guys, it's evil. Every single piece. But you see how hard that is to convince people of this? Because we yet don't know who our enemies are. But God is gonna make these things loud and clear one day, and we're going to get an understanding of what the enemy is, you know why? Because if you be in Christ, the whole world is going to eventually turn on you and then you can sober up. Then you'll be able to see this wasn't of God. This is all demonic. But we must have our lives hidden Christ because you see Kobe Bryant, the way he died, you see, I know it was a cold. I could break it down for you right now. And there's probably a lot more to it than that. But you see, Aaliyah died in a plane crash in the swamp surrounded so by snakes, and she played the queen of the damned, you know, just before that movie. Heath, Heath Ledger, dead, after playing the Joker. You know, when you look at all these guys, even, uh, what's his name, Um, it, Michael Jordan lost his father. Jennifer Hudson lost her whole family. You see, to get into this thing, if you wanna be somebody and have a peace in this world, it's just like G. Craig Lewis says, the devil demands a sacrifice. You're not gonna just get in because you're good. You're not gonna get in because you're smarter, because you're talented. You must have something that the devil wants, which is why most of these people sell their souls for what they can have. And that's why Jesus says to us, what profit is it in a man to gain the whole world and to lose his own soul? what can you give in exchange for eternity in heaven or in hell? We must sober up. We must recognize where we are. We must stop drinking the wine of the harlot so that we can see where we are and understand that Jesus Christ is all that matters. I understand work. I understand all these things that people want to do, but I'm here to tell you the whole world is wicked. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 30. I want to make a couple of points there. And then I'm going to read an article with you that you guys will be able to, um, I think you're going to find interesting too. So let's look at Isaiah chapter 30, because this is a similar situation to what the children of Israel were dealing with and what we're dealing with today. Killing them softly. You know, they glorify that life in Hollywood. They glorify the professional careers that people can have in this world. But this whole thing, man, if you knew how nasty and knew how vicious it was, if you knew the true purpose behind even the job that you got now, man, you would wanna run for the hills and serve the Lord with everything you've got. Every piece, I don't care if you're talking medical world, you know, uh, police officers. I mean, they're even telling people, which is why I encourage some people, you know, to not go in the military. I'm not going to lie. I did say that. Some people may not understand why, but I, I do see what's going on with that and even the police department, because here's what's going down. Okay. They're asking military and police officers or those in law enforcement. Would you fire on American citizens if called to? And in order to get the job, guess what you've got to say? They've got big plans for this world and everything in it. But you see, they make everything look like just a career, just a life, just a way to go out and do what you need to do. I'm here to tell you, every single piece belongs to the devil. Every piece I'm not saying I get it, you got to go and do what you got to do, but that's why you pray to the Lord and see what he wants you to do, because every single piece belongs to the enemy. You know, the American soldiers are going to have such problems, they're going to think that they're fighting for America, and this thing is going to be so jacked up that they don't even realize half of the soldiers are not even American soldiers. It's going to be so corrupted from the inside out, that it's gonna bring chaos when we decide to defend America. I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you what I know through research and what's going on. Look at Isaiah 30, guys, and look at verse one. I'm not doubting anybody that's been in the military. You've done what you had to do. We were all fools at some point in our lives. We all went according to the dictates of this world and did what the devil said, you know? But now comes a point in our lives that we must sober up to get real with God and ask him what he wants us to do. Because this is all gonna be taken from us eventually. So look at Isaiah 30, look at verse one. It says, woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin. So you see what the devil's plan here is? To add sin to sin, but what does he do first? He causes people to rebel. How does he do that? He entices them. The Lord says here that they take counsel, but not of God. So someone else has got their ear. And then it says, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit. Another word for covering is like governing. So they're governed by another spirit, but not of the Lord. He says that walk to go down into Egypt. So you see, they love the world and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Another word for shadow has everything to do with government. So these people desire to be a part of Egypt, which is a type of world. But then it says they strengthen themselves by the strength of Pharaoh, by the strength of the Antichrist, by the strength of the world or the devil as you may as well say. But it says, and they trust in the shadow of Egypt. There are many of us today think that because we've got worldly possessions that these things are going to sustain us. But the truth of the matter is they do not belong to us They are only here to ensnare us. There are things that God gives us according to his will and his benefit. Thank you, Jesus, that he has allowed us to have the things that we have. But we must understand if God doesn't play a role in our course through the world, then what will eventually happen is you are going to begin to to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Just like Samson trusted in Delilah, just like these people of the world want to be Hollywood actors and football players and basketball players, man, they don't even realize the satanic stuff that has everything to do with that. And just like Adam or Eve trusted in the serpent. So look at verse of three. He says, therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh, your desire to be strengthened by him, be your shame and the trust of the, in the shadow of Egypt, your confusion. This is what's hanging the people up today. They are confused. They don't know which end is up. They claim to shout and love Jesus, but they give the world and everything in the world more time than Jesus. Delilah asked the question, how can you say you love me if your heart is not with me? The Lord Jesus Christ can ask the same thing. When you trust in the strength of Pharaoh, or in the strength of the world, or in the government of Egypt, it will bring about confusion. Another word here guys for confusion is perversion. This is the corruption. This is how the devil kills you softly. He gains your trust. He sells you the American dream. He gives you all the luxuries you can have in this world, but his whole game is to snare you and to make you perverse not pure, look at verse four. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them, nor be in help nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. You see that? This is how you can describe the world. They were ashamed of a people that couldn't even profit them. Okay, They're, they're trusting in uncertain riches, and it says, nor being helped to profit, but a shame and also a reproach, the burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence, young, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper, the fiery flying serpent, they will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. You know, it's amazing how God can build a person up. Like if you guys look at Whitney Houston, look at the beautiful voice that she had. You'll probably see in 10 generations, nobody sings like Whitney Houston. But you know what? That was a gift from God. That gift was given to glorify God. But what do many of us do today? We take the gifts that come from God and we relish and celebrate in them and we give God no glory whatsoever. We take our treasures and we give them to a people that will not profit us. Don't you know some of these rappers are supposed to be ministers? That's why they have flow. That's why they're eloquent speakers. That's why they know how to move a crowd. Don't you know that these guys are supposed to be evangelists for the Lord? And I'm not talking about Christian rap. I'm talking about a sanctified vessel that God can use. A lot of people will take their gifts and give them right to the devil. And what does the devil do? After he's done glorified you, put you on a pedestal, he chews you up and spit you out. He's got to devalue you. You've got to get on somebody's desk or the, or the director's couch and prove yourself to be a worthy commodity. Once he has defiled you, used you up, once you're no longer pretty, once no women are seeking after you anymore. Okay, now it's time to throw you away because I've made my millions. You wanna know what the devil said to Kobe Bryant? Who gave you the right to retire and enjoy a family? I made you rich. I gave you what you had. I put your name in the paper. I gave you everything that a man could wish for, but my whole goal was that you would defile yourself, destroy others, and not give your life to God. So when Kobe gets to a place in his life, after doing the hell Satan signs, you know these things, doing that over and over, Kobe thought that he was gonna retire. I'm not mocking him, guys. This is a sad story. But you see, Kobe thought he was going to retire New baby on the way and enjoy life, but Kobe did not realize that he was being killed softly. Four years ago, there's a video I dare not play on here because I know they're gonna hit me for copyright garbage. Okay, but the whole point is there's a video of Kobe Bryant four years ago on this cartoon. I can't remember the episode or what the series was about, but he died in a um in a helicopter accident. And the name of that episode was called End of Days. So instead of worrying about that, you better be worrying about what the devil's trying to show you next. Because you see, his death may have triggered something that the devil means to get the ball in in motion in 2020. It says that upon his death in this cartoon, that this was called the end of days and people would have to learn how to survive. While we're mourning over the death of Kobe Bryant, you know, while we are praying for his family, which, you know, we're supposed to do, we don't even realize that the devil's best trick is yet to come. He's killing us softly, guys. People are going around wearing jerseys to honor Kobe Bryant. When we had a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that died for us 2,000 years ago, suffered unimaginable hurt, took our sin to the cross in our place, okay? died, was buried and resurrected, endured what no man could endure for you and I. And here we are celebrating Kobe Bryant. Man, we better get ourselves in gear and we better get our hearts where they need to be because Jesus Christ is all that matters. Pray for his family, guys, but I'm here to tell you that that is the best that the devil can do. He will take you, once he's glorified himself through you, he chews you up, he spits you out, and he throws you in the garbage. But God intends to rule with his bride, which is why we must be faithful. But the devil, he'll use a a harlot, or he'll use a person like the devil uses a harlot. You know, he'll have his fun with her, but after that, I got nothing to do with you. These are not words of hate. These are words, even though some are mourning over Bryant, you better look at all these other people in Hollywood that need to be saved. We better be you know, trying to send warnings to those that this is what the devil's going to do. Why? All for the sake of winning souls. That's love. So they take their gifts and they give them to the devil. So look at verse seven for the Egyptians shall help in vain." What are the Egyptians in this case? Worldly people. If you go to the world for help, the world will help in vain. What does that mean? They will help in an empty sort of way. What good is it, guys, if I find my career, get promoted to be CEO of my own private company, have my own building, my own office, make six figures or seven figures, however that works out. And then when I am done, I will go to hell. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is how the devil kills you softly. He made you believe that some things are so important when really they are not important at all. We must give our hearts back. So the Egyptians will help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this. Their strength is to sit still. Now go write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever. So what was this? This was a warning. This was a warning for all those who put their trust in other things who live the worldly life outside of the confines of God. He asked for these things to be written in a book for a time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people. Look at what they are, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, say to the pastors, say to the ministers, say to the watchmen, say to those who are are promoting the word of God and how to live, they say to the seers, see not. And they say to the prophets and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things. Don't tell us the right thing to do. Don't speak to me of holiness. Don't tell me that this world is wicked. And speak unto us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Tell me lies. You know, people want me to say at the end of this message, (coughs) (laughs) guys, it was all a joke. Go back and live your lives. Do what you need to do and enjoy You know, that was just something to get you guys thinking. And you know, I was just playing. No, I'm not just playing. I'm not gonna lie to the people. I'm going to tell people the truth because your eternal soul is in jeopardy. Don't let the devil kill you softly. You better sober up because the wine of the harlot is strong. I wanna know the truth. Look at verse 11 get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That's what they said, get rid of God. Verse 12 says, wherefore thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word, and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon. Therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach, ready to fall, swelling out, in a high wall, whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant. And that's what happened to Kobe Bryant. You see, there was a, a breach all of a sudden swelling out and a wall that fell down and cometh, it cometh in an instant. That's why we must be in Christ. Because if you're out there in the world, the devil can pick you off. I promise you that Kobe Bryant did not know earlier that day or when he woke up that morning with his daughter that he was going to be killed you better get to know the lord you know uh so anyway he says and he shall break it as a breaking of a of a potter's vessel that is broken in pieces he shall not spare so that there shall not be found in the bursting of a shirt uh, uh to take fire from the hearth uh or to take water withal out of the pit But thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved in quietness and in confidence shall be your strength and ye would not. So God gave them everything that they would need, but they chose to be rebellious because they enjoyed the things of Egypt. Now, you know that the children of Israel never just went into captivity like that. Usually they served other gods, they found good times with the heathen, and what happened? The heathen became their gods and decided to ensnare them. This is what the world wants to do to you, but you must put your trust in the Lord, because the Bible says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And you're gonna find a lot of religious people out there, guys that are gonna be talking about this Kobe Bryant thing, but I'm gonna tell you something about those people. They don't give a hoot about Kobe Bryant or his soul. They're just looking for the latest thing in the media to post up so that they can increase their views with the death of someone who should have known Christ. That's how wicked this world is. Even those who pretend to be those who love are those who are out to milk and seek their own glory in destroying folks. Hey, brother John, hope all is well. I don't mean to get excited tonight, guys, but you see, this is what it's about. In your spare time, read Proverbs chapter seven, where it talks about that harlot, that man who was void of understanding. He walked the streets at night in the darkness. He found a harlot that enticed him. And it said that that young man did not even realize that his liver, that that, that what would happen would pierce through his liver and he would be like a sheep led to the slaughter, chasing after what he feels in his heart, what he desires. This is how the devil destroys. He kills softly. And what did they say that the woman did? Matter of fact, let's go there, Proverbs seven. I'm not gonna read all of it, I'm just gonna get to the good part. Let's look at verse seven, Proverbs seven and seven. Now let's look at five. He says to, to hearken unto, you know, wisdom should be your kinswoman, right? Or or your sister. God's wisdom should be one with you. He says, For at the window of my house I looked out, I looked through my casement, and beheld among the simple ones of, of those who don't know too much, I discerned among the youth a young man void of understanding. You see how the devil tries to get you young? Passing through the street near her corner, And he went the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot and subtle, subtle of heart. What does subtle mean? Soft, sensual, you know, crafty. So it says that she was wearing the attire of a harlot. Why was she wearing the attire of a harlot? Because you see, if you can't market what you have, nobody's going to be interested. This is why the devil has women dressed the way that they dress today. Skirts up to their tonsils, cleavage showing, all of this. Why? All for attention, all to seek after a man, all to to market their bodies like they're some commodity. So you see, the devil will use anything he can to entice. So she's subtle of heart. But it says she is loud and stubborn, her feet abide not in her house. Now is she without, now in the streets, and lieth in wait at every corner. So she's a predator. And it says, so she caught him and kissed him, and with an impudent face said unto him, I have peace offerings. Look how the devil comes, guys, in peace with me this day. Have I paid my vows? therefore came I forth to meet thee diligently to seek thy face. Look at how the devil is always on the job, diligently seeking your face. And I have found thee, and I have decked my bed with coverings of tapestry, with carved works, and with fine linen of what? Egypt. This is a type of devil that markets the world to us. So of course her fine linen was of Egypt. That's what the devil uses, which is the world, to lure you and I in. And then he says, I have perfumed, or she says, I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until the morning. Let it solace ourselves with loves. For the good man is not at home. He is gone a long journey. He hath taken a bag of money with him and will come home at the day appointed. And with her much fair speech, she caused him to yield. With the flattering of her lips, she forced him. He goeth after her straightway as an ox goeth to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till a dart strike through his liver as a bird hasteneth to a snare and knoweth not that it was for his life. You see that? He didn't even know the thing that looks good can kill you. And this is exactly what the devil is using. The devil, even the Bible says, is transformed into an angel of light. So it is no great thing that his ministers will be the ministers of righteousness. They will appear to be. This is happening in pulpits, guys, all over. You're finding these guys like Todd White with this lisp, and thank you, bless you. You know, I love you. And I'm not trying to be funny, guys, but you see, if Pastor Price and some of the guys of Omega Ministries and I talked that way, man, we would have a million views. But because we cry aloud, we spare not. We lift up our voices like a trumpet and we tell people their iniquities and their sins, that they may wake up out of their comers, we're not well received. But you see, it is love that a person won't end up being destroyed by that which is enticed or which entices them, that comes from the devil. We must understand where we are, guys, this is war. This is war for your soul. Every day, you've got angels and demons fighting over your soul. And if we don't give these things over to the Lord, we will be bound. Do you see that? He didn't even know it was for his life. Verse 24 says, hearken unto me now, therefore, O ye children, and attend to the words of my mouth. Let not thine heart decline to her ways, ways go not astray in her paths. For she hath cast down many, Wounded, yea, many strong men have been slain by her. Her house is the way to hell, going down to the chambers of death. This is that harlot. This is the Revelation 17 harlot. This is the one that looks like they're just there to benefit you, to want to help you, to make a better you for tomorrow. But the whole goal is to destroy you and alienate you from the life of God, killing you softly. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 11. I'm telling you, man, a lot of people have been deceived with this garbage, with that love you, love, love, love doctrine. It's a pack of lies. Love is never void of truth. Look at 2 Corinthians 11, look at verse one. He says, would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly and indeed bear with me, for I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. The same way we feel about you guys. Man, you know, they say to pay attention to those people in Romans 13 that tell you all the things Omega Ministries and what what I'm saying. And Sister Sarah and others are saying, Brother Sal, what? because they watch for your soul. So Paul is jealous over the Corinthians with godly jealousy. He says, for I have espoused you to one husband that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. So what is Paul doing? He's trying to turn people to be chaste virgins. He's watching over them like a man would watch over his daughter from all the low-life men that are out there in the street. He would want his daughter to marry a righteous man. He would look at all these guys and see if they're good enough for his kid. This is exactly the way Paul is working. But look at what he says in verse three. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. There's that word again. So that your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see that the devil comes with very soft, subtle words, giving half-truths. So what? So your minds could be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ. Creflo Dollar doesn't yell and scream. T.D. Jakes don't yell and scream. Joe Osteen gives you that smile, looking like the joker, trying to get you to get involved in what they want. What do these people want? To destroy you. So you see... They corrupt the mind through their softness, through their subtlety. So look at this. So he beguiled Eve, he tricked her through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. So what allures people away from the gospel? Something that you want in the flesh. And that's why I love what Pastor Price said that the way that you can tell the devil, one thing all demons and devils have in common They never talk to you about eternal life. Their job is to tell you about the gospel, but they'll introduce you to doing it in the here and now. And that's why the Bible says, if you have hope only in this life, in Christ Jesus, you are of all men most miserable because we ought to be heavenly minded. But the devil will tell you, we need the Lord Jesus Christ. We need souls saved. And then he'll turn around and say to you, Let's make America great again. I believe that America is going to be saved. Why does he say this? So Americans can put money into that movement and desire to save their own skin. You see, it's all about the lust of America. It's all about building up the American dream. It's all about retirement. It's all about whatever I can have in this life. So you see, that's why that doctrine works because most people are not seeing what the clear picture is, that this is a sinking ship, souls need to be saved so that we can go off into eternity in Jesus Christ. So he says, for if if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit, which which ye have not received, or another gospel, which ye have not accepted, ye might bear well with him. So we must cling to the truth in Jesus Christ and all of the truth that we may inherit eternal life. Because what is the devil looking for? Just a little way to massage his way into your life that he can snare you and destroy you, killing you softly. So look at this, guys. I got an article I wanna read to you guys that you're gonna find interesting. Maybe some will, maybe some won't. Some may may get mad and cut it off, but hey, we're after all those who are seeking the truth. Okay, this is called, this is an article called Is Jesus Loves You, the Gospel? Because you see, the devil has found a way to soften up the message of God, to draw people in that even no one talks about sin today that is in the mainstream. So this is by uh, Scott Klein. It says, it is often said that the gospel or good news can be reduced to its lowest common denominator through the phrase, Jesus loves you. It follows that conversion, uh, yeah, it follows that conversion may likewise condense to accepting the love of Jesus. The emphasis on the love of God is not in any way unorthodox. In fact, it is without a doubt central to the Christian doctrine. Perhaps the most cited verse in the Bible underscores this central truth, for God so loved the world. There is a grave danger, however, in reducing the Christian faith to Jesus loves you. The difficulty simply put is that Jesus loves you is not the complete gospel and is not sufficient information for genuine conversion. What is, more, uh, what is more, Jesus loves you was not a part of the apostolic preaching uh, found in the New Testament. This is C.H. Uh, Dodd, he says, a distinguished 20th century New Testament scholar provided an outline that summarized the basic tenets of apostolic uh, keryguma, kerygma. and then it says, preaching proclamation. Uh, provided in the New Testament. Dodd's kerygma outline is accepted as an accurate uh, distillation of the New Testament preaching. Here are its basic components. This is one, the age of fulfillment has dawned the latter days foretold by the prophets. This is two, this has taken place through the birth, life, ministry, death, And resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is three. By virtue of the resurrection, Jesus has been exalted at the right hand of God as messianic head of the new Israel. This is four. The Holy Spirit in the church is the sign of Christ's present power and glory. This is five. The messianic age will reach its consummation in the return of Christ and this is six, an appeal is made for repentance with the offer of forgiveness, the Holy Spirit and salvation. So that's the doctrinal truth. Now look at this. The apostolic preaching did not include Jesus loves you as one of its key components. In no way implies that the apostles thought otherwise. What is implied is that Jesus loves you is not the gospel, or the apostles would have without doubt preached it as such. If the contemporary church message does not conform to the biblical and epistolic message, uh, we must conclude that it has lost its way and is in need of correction. It may be difficult for some to reach the same conclusion regarding the Jesus loves you message. How could this beautiful phrase be a distortion of the apostolic message. Let's examine why Jesus loves you, presented in isolation, is in a dire need of correction. This is one. The love and mercy of God can only be understood correctly when the foundation of the righteousness of God, mankind's sin, depravity, and corresponding condemnation has been meticulously laid. Without this prior conviction, the mercy and love of God is meaningless and devoid of power. Only when a person understands his guilt and corresponding damnation through the meditation of the Holy Spirit or mediation, sorry, of the Holy Spirit, is he ready to conceive of God's offer of forgiveness through the substitutionary death of his son. Put another way, uh, to saturate the mind with grace and love before the work of the spirit exposes one's absolute hopeless condition is to start at the wrong end of the story. On the other hand, when a person's heart is convinced uh, of his utter depravity, his stench before a holy God and learns of God's wrath upon him, Then and only then does the offer of love and mercy find a true home in his heart. It says, imagine how many people would volunteer for surgery if they had no knowledge of their illness. A surgeon would be hard pressed to find patients for surgery if he didn't first provide evidence of of an affliction. To herald the good news of a cure and remedy without a prior diagnosis is like announcing uh, an armistice without having first waged war. Likewise, men must first be convinced of their enmity with God before they can reasonably accept his terms for peace. That's Romans 5 and 8. And this is 2. The love of God poured out through Jesus the Messiah is central to the gospel, but must be preached in its proper place and sequence. If preached in isolation, it only affirms a sinner to his slope. It, it, um, it becomes an affirmation gospel. If we return to the surgical illustration above, preaching love in seclusion Is similar to the surgeon refusing to communicate the gravity of the patient's condition. In point of fact, it is cruel omission, since the omission results in the premature death of the patient. The patient remains in a fool's paradise. And this is true, guys. This is what happens to people. If they don't tell you about sin, the person, if you just tell the person Jesus loves you, then why should I change? I can go on fornicating and doing whatever it is that I do. So you see, God preaches or tells us to preach, and what Jesus preached was a balanced gospel. And we must get to the same place of being in the truth. Imagine a doctor not even telling you you got cancer and tells you, oh, it's just a minor surgery. You'll be okay. You're not going to let somebody cut you open and put you on anesthesia and do all this stuff if you don't understand the severity of your condition that cancer must come out? You know, this is what he's talking about. This is three. The gospel message begins in its proper place with the law and man's inadequacy to fulfill it. The law exposes fornications, discords, envy, pride, hatred, bitterness, jealousy, and all that is contemptible in the heart of man. Since the law brings forth knowledge of sin, Uh, It serves the purpose of transporting a person from the state of relative comfort to a state of affliction. This this discomfort is produced by the Holy Spirit. And that's why when it says the Holy Spirit in John 16 will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness, you know, this is what he's talking about. With the Lucky Land you can get lucky just about anywhere.